Well, hello, and welcome to the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark, and thank you for joining us again this week. Welcome if it's your first time. Today we're going to be exploring a particular little highway and byway of classic jazz recorded history. These are recordings that are not usually given too much credit in, in, in the jazz press. I think they were sort of aimed at a popular market in the 1950s. Uh, this was the beginning of the LP era, and uh, many of these recordings were collected on thematic LPs uh, that were produced by the Decca Company. And the band that we're going to be listening to is the Lawson Haggart Jazz Band, co-led by Yank Lawson, the trumpet player, and Bob Haggart, the bass player. And they had played for many years together in the Bob Crosby Band uh, in the 1930s and into the 40s. And periodically they reunited uh, in New York. They were both studio musicians for the various uh, studio bands and radio and soon-to-be television bands as well. Uh, but they both had an abiding love for New Orleans jazz, Dixieland. That was kind of their... Uh, real uh, enthusiasm for jazz, and they got together periodically to make music uh, in person and on records, and they had the bright idea in 1951 of forming the Lawson Haggard Jazz Band, which was a six-piece band made up of musicians who were of like mind, shall we say. And from 1951 until uh, 1950. Eight, I think, maybe not quite that far, yeah, 1958, they recorded a series of LPs, probably 10 or 12 of them for Decca, that, uh, as I said, all had themes to them. They might have been the music of Jelly Roll Morton, or King Oliver, or uh, Ragtime, or the original Dixieland Jazz Band, or all sorts of different things. We're going to be sampling some of the tracks from each of those albums coming up. So our first tune is the Jelly Roll Morton tune, The Meilenberg Joys. And this was recorded on June 13th of 1951 with a core personnel that we're going to hear through most of these recordings. Yank Larson on trumpet, Lou McGarity on trombone, uh, Bill Stegmeyer on clarinet, Lou Stein on piano, Bob Haggard on bass, and Cliff Lehman on drums. Lou McGarity, of course, had played with many big bands, most notably Benny Goodman's, uh, and he became a studio musician as well. Bill Stegmeyer was a fine clarinet player, maybe even a better arranger, and I think he was responsible for most of the arrangements that happened on these recordings. He uh, arranged for and played for the Vaughn Monroe Orchestra, and uh, briefly with Glenn Miller and all sorts of different groups. Lou Stein was a good uh, piano player whose uh, style actually was on the more modern side for these Dixieland musicians. Definitely a swing musician, although he... Uh, sort of ventured into early bop in different times as well, and he was a studio musician. And Cliff Lehman was a drummer who had played with many of the uh, New York Dixieland musicians as well. And all these recordings were made in New York. So following the Meilenberg Joys, we're going to go to that New Orleans Standard High Society. This was one of two tunes recorded on November 14th of 1951. I believe, uh, despite the uh, discography saying this Bill Stegmeyer, I think it's Peanuts Hucko playing clarinet on this one. He uh, participated in numerous recording sessions with this group, uh, sometimes on clarinet, more often on tenor sax. But it sounds much more like him than it does Bill Stegmeyer, so we're going to go with Peanuts on this one. Following that, we're going to uh, go to one of their blues albums, their W.C. Handy album. We're going to hear the Beale Street Blues, which was recorded on October 16th of 1952, again with the core band and the addition of a guitar player, George Barnes, who is sometimes given credit for being one of the first uh, electric guitar players uh, to make it onto record, even a little bit before Charlie Christian. He recorded with some Western swing bands, but he quickly became known as a great jazz player, and he'll be heard on guitar through here as well. 
After that, we're going to uh, hear a tune that sometimes is credited to Jelly Roll Morton, Someday Sweetheart. And this is a little bit more laid back from June 15th of 1953. Uh, we're going to hear, again, the same band, uh, with, uh, I believe, with George Barnes on this one as well. Then we're going to finish up with a, a, a 1920s dance tune, Crying for the Carolines. Again, these are arranged, I believe, by... Um, uh, Bill Stegmeyer, possibly by Bob Haggard occasionally as well. This is from October 13th of 1953, has the core band and also some guest stars to fill out the sections. Peanut Sacco here is definitely on tenor sax, Cuddy Cutshaw plays second trombone, and Billy Butterfield plays lead trumpet. And Butterfield, uh, of course, had been with the Crosby Band and played lead trumpet and jazz trumpet in a number of big bands. Uh, Cuddy Cutshaw had been with uh, Jan Savitt and uh, later with Benny Goodman and uh, was a mainstay of the Eddie Condon bands in the 1950s as well. So those are our tunes, the Lawson Haggard Jazz Band from the early part of the 1950s recording for Decca, Meilenberg Joys, High Society, The Beale Street Blues, Someday Sweetheart, and Cryin' for the Carolines.
Some very good swing era playing in a Dixieland slash New Orleans slash traditional jazz context. We had the Lawson Haggart Jazz Band recording for Decca from 1951 to about 1953. More to come on that. We started out with the Mylenberg Joys, which was from an early LP or EP uh, devoted to the music of Jelly Roll Morton. And uh, as I said, the core personnel here is Yank Lawson on trumpet, Lou McGarity on trombone, uh, Bill Stegmeyer on clarinet, Lou Stein on piano, Bob Haggard on bass, and Cliff Lehman on drums. And that was from uh, uh, June 13th of 1951, actually their second recording session. For the most part, these were all busy studio musicians who I assume would go into the studio in between uh, commercial programs and whatever else they were doing and just record a couple of tunes. Most of these recording sessions were only two tunes, which uh, for professional musicians like this probably took them about a half an hour to do, so they were just cranked out, although some of them uh, attained a pretty high level of inspiration. So after Mylenberg Joys, we went to the High Society, and as I said, I believe that was Pinotucco on clarinet. Uh, replacing Bill Stegmeyer for that one number, and the other one on that date too, which was Dippermouth Blues. We might play that some other time. That was from November of 1951. Then on to the Beale Street Blues, which introduces us to uh, the sixth member of the band who appeared on many sessions, George Barnes on electric guitar, and he uh, could range from a country sound to country blues, as we heard on the last tune we just heard, uh, to a very sophisticated uh, jazz electric guitar style. So after the Beale Street Blues, which was from October 16th of 1952, we went on to Someday Sweetheart, which was the uh, sort of Jelly Roll Morton tune that was from June, of, uh, June 15th of 1953, again, same band. And then we finished up with Crying for the Carolines, an interesting little arrangement, presumably by Bill Stegmeyer, that has that band, plus Peanut Tucko on tenor sax, Billy Butterfield on lead trumpet, and Cuddy Cutshall on trombone. So these were albums that were made for Decca in the 1950s, and as I said, they were kind of thematic uh, in, a, in a way. They were early concept albums, I guess you'd have to say, uh, and they are kind of an interesting blueprint for the many, much more successful commercially LPs that were put out on Audio Fidelity by the Dukes of Dixieland beginning in about 1955 or 56, uh, taking advantage of the new technology of stereo, and you've got to hear it to believe it. And, of course, the Dukes of Dixieland became arguably the most successful Dixieland band of the 1950s, 60s, and into the 70s as well. Lawson Haggard's band uh, continued producing LPs for Decca up until about 1958, when they uh, finished off the series with a real stinker of a, 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 an LP called... Um, Strollin', I think it was called, or it was the Lawson Haggart Rockin' Band, which featured uh, at different times Sam the Man Taylor on tenor sax, Danny Perry on guitar, a uh, couple of other uh, swing era stalwarts like Trummy Young and Rex Stewart too, but they did things like Honky Tonk and uh, Bebop Alua, Rip It Up, Tequila, Bye Bye Love, things like that that were a little bit 
difficult to listen to these days, although there are some good moments on them. After that, they switched affiliations to Everest and recorded several albums for them, including The Junior Prom and Dixieland Goes West. And those were from the late 1950s, 1960. After a few years in the 1960s, they came back together, some of them anyway, and formed the world's greatest jazz band, which had uh, Lawson and uh, Billy Butterfield. Uh, different times it had Cuddy Cutshaw and Lou McGarrity in there. Also, Bob Haggart and uh, Ralph Sutton on piano, Gus Johnson on drums, uh, and in the reed section, Bob Wilbur and Bud Freeman. We're going to hear Bud Freeman a little bit later in this program. So this band that we're listening to right now is a little bit of the prototype of that group. And in fact, some of the arrangements we're going to hear were clearly taken over by the world's greatest jazz band a few years later. So we're going to jump over now to uh, uh, an album. Uh, I forget what this album was called, but it's a, an interesting performance from November 19th of 1953. The core band plus Peanut Sucko on tenor sax and uh, Lou McGarrity uh, for I, only the one of two times on record that I recall, plays violin. He had come up as a violinist uh, and a trombone player, and he played uh, violin on this number, which is the Tennessee Waltz. Not done as a waltz, but done as a 4-4 foxtrot. A little later in the 70s, not too long before he died, he dusted off the fiddle to uh, play on a Bobby Short recording date as well. So interesting to hear that, and he comes back and plays some trombone later on. Following that, we're going to hear the J.C. Johnson tune, Louisiana, that was done by Paul Whiteman and uh, Big Spiderbeck and his gang and so forth. This has a nice little arrangement that features, presumably, the arranger, Bill Stegmeyer on clarinet. Then we're going to hear uh, from the Louis Armstrong Hot 5 and 7 album that they did from March 23rd of 1954, The King of the Zulus, which was a, an early kind of ostinato, modal type of tune. That was a tune that was also recorded in the same arrangement by Louis Armstrong as part of his autobiography series of albums for Decca. Uh, in the early, or, or the early uh, style that he was recreating from his King Oliver and his Hot Five days, he used uh, Bob Haggart and Yank Lawson in the band and had uh, Haggart playing, or not playing, but arranging, and used some of the same arrangements that we're hearing on these as well. He also used George Barnes playing a very modern style of electric guitar. And that, we've done a podcast on those in the past. I, encourage you to look those up. So after Louisiana and King of the Zulus, we're going to go to a beautiful ballad that was associated with Jack Teagarden for many years, uh, but here uh, it's strictly instrumental and it is called Stars Fell on Alabama. And uh, this particular tune comes from July 13th of 1955, again with the core group. Then we're going to finish up uh, with that sort of southern sensibility with My Old Kentucky Home from July 14th of 1955. And again, these all feature that core personnel I mentioned. So we've got, except for King of the Zulus, we have a full state uh, set for you right now. We have the Tennessee Waltz, Louisiana, then King of the Zulus, then Stars Fell in Alabama, and My Old Kentucky Home, all done by the Lawson Haggart Jazz Band. Thank you. 
Some good state tunes for you on that set. The Lawson Haggard Jazz Band. We started out with the Tennessee Waltz, featuring some pretty decent fiddle playing by Lou McGarrity, who switched back to trombone a little bit later. Uh, that was a big hit for Patty Page at the time as a waltz. This was done as a foxtrot, obviously. Uh, then we went on to Louisiana. Uh, some nice Bill Stegmeyer in there on clarinet. Nice arrangement as well. Then, a real feature for Yank Lawson on The King of the Zulus. Uh, it's unfair to compare this version to the Louis Armstrong version that was done around the same time with the same arrangement. Uh, was one of Louis' greatest late-period solos, but Lawson acquits himself well here regardless. Then we heard that lovely ballad performance of Stars Fell on Alabama, starting out with Bill Stegmaier and continuing on through Lou McGarrity on trombone, uh, bringing out that idea of the Jack Teagarden Association as well. And then a nice, sort of loosely arranged, up-tempo version of My Old Kentucky Home. So as I said, these DECA recordings were being marketed as kind of concept albums uh, during this period. Uh, Dixieland in the 1950s was a very popular commodity in the beginnings of the LP era. You had very good... Uh, series of recordings by Sharky Bonanno on Capitol, uh, as I said later on, the Dukes of Dixieland on uh, Audio Fidelity and other ones as well. Uh, Matty Matlock out on the West Coast took the Bob Crosby influence in another direction with the Rampart Street uh, Paraders and uh, some of the other groups that he had out there as well. So we're going to continue on now. We're going to do another Jelly Roll Morton tune for you uh, at this point. This is called Froggy Moor, the Froggy Moor Rag. This was a an interesting ragtime style tune that Morton did, supposedly uh, in tribute to a, a vaudeville contortionist that he knew in the 1910s. But uh, this has many different sections to it and is particularly well played by the band here and also particularly well arranged. For this, we're going back to uh, March 5th of 1952. This was... Uh, part of a series of sessions that brought out two LPs, a Jelly Roll Morton and a King Oliver one as well. After Froggy Moore, we're going to go to the uh, Ragtime album that this band put out, and we're going to hear the Grace and Beauty Rag, which uh, was done on July 15th of 1955 with the expanded group, the uh, the Standards, uh, Yank Lawson on trumpet, uh, Lou McGarrity on trombone, Bill Stegmaier on clarinet and arranging, Lou Stein on piano, Bob Haggard on bass, and Cliff Lehman on drums. Additionally, we will have here Peanut Sacco on tenor sax, Billy Butterfield on trumpet, and Cuddy Cutshaw on trombone. That's the Grace and Beauty Rag. I should also mention George Barnes on guitar, and he's featured quite prominently here as well. After that, we go to their original Dixieland Jazz Band celebration. We're going to hear the Ostrich Walk from April 13th of 1956. And here we're going to hear some Bud Freeman as well. Uh, he was brought in on tenor sax. Peanuts Hucker was out. Uh, but uh, some good uh, classic Bud Freeman style playing here uh, on Ostrich Walk. Then another uh, original Dixieland Jazz Band tune from about nine days later, April 24th of 1956, also with some Bud Freeman. This is called Mornin' the Blues, not one of their uh, original Dixieland Jazz Band uh, more familiar tunes. This was recorded by Bob Crosby and Irving Fazola, among others, but not one that was uh, recreated too often. Then we're going to end up with uh, a very evolved version of eccentric that eccentric rag which is known initially by its um uh 
uh, rather, New Orleans Rhythm Kings uh, version in 1922. This was a tune by J. Russell Robinson, kind of a ragtime tune, but with definite jazz influence as well. And this goes back to the July 15th Grace and Beauty session with Peanuts Hucko. So, those are our tunes coming up. We'll get to hear the contrasting tenor sax styles of Peanuts Hucko and Bud Freeman on this set. Froggy Morag, Grace and Beauty, Ostrich Walk, Morning the Blues, and Eccentric, all done by the Lawson Haggart Jazz Band.
Some very, what they used to call, high-class Dixieland. Very well-performed, well-arranged, great solos all the way through. These were musicians who had cut their teeth in the big band era and who had played full-time, probably at that point, for 25, 30 years in most cases. And they were all on the older side, certainly, but they were all in, at the peak of their abilities. So some really fine playing here. We started out with the Froggy Moor Rag, one of the first recordings by this band from March 5th of 1952. And again, the core personnel, Yank Lawson on trumpet, yeah, Lou McGarrity on trombone, Bill Stegmeyer on clarinet and arrangements, Lou Stein on piano, Bob Haggard on bass, and Cliff Lehman on drums. So after Froggy Moore, we went to that uh, Ragtime album and uh, a James Scott tune called Grace and Beauty, which nicely featured George Barnes on guitar. He was uh, an almost regular member of the band, and that group also had a few other additional members. It had Peanut Tucko on tenor sax, Cuddy Cutshaw on trombone, and Billy Butterfield on trumpet. And Butterfield takes the very uh, bright and flashy trumpet solo there. Yank Lawson was a very, very good trumpet player, but uh, Billy Butterfield was really kind of in another category in terms of technique. After that, we went to the original Dixieland Jazz Band sessions of uh, April of 1956, all these being done in New York for DECA, by the way, and we added Bud Freeman on tenor sax, replacing Peanut Hucko, and we heard him extensively featured on Ostrich Walk, and also Billy Butterfield on that, too. Uh, and then, on Morning the Blues, from April 24th of 1956, uh, we heard more Bud Freeman, and some very good Lou McGarity as well. Then we finished up with Eccentric, which came from that ragtime uh, session, and that featured Pina Tucker on tenor sax. So some great playing there by all, all, uh, all considered. Um, and uh, this is the Lawson Haggard Jazz Band, which 
is not remembered too well today. They've not been favored too well by reissues. There have been a few CDs that have come out of various LPs they did. Um, at least some of what I got on this program were taken from the internet and also from my original copies of the LPs. So, as you can tell, the sound quality goes up and down a little bit. But this must have been a pretty successful venture for DECA. Uh, they kept doing albums over the years, from 1951 until 1958 or so. Uh, I think it was something like 10 or 12 LPs that came out, and then as I said, they went on to Everest Records after that. So I hope you've enjoyed this program. This is the Jazz Focus. I'm John Clark, and uh, we have been exploring some of the cobwebby corners of jazz recorded history, as is our want on this program. So uh, if you're interested in encouraging us and keeping us going, we'd love to hear from you on my social media pages, Wolverine Jazz Band, which is my band name, on Facebook and Instagram, and also WolverineJazzBand.net. And please feel free to contribute to the cause, as it were, and become a member of the family. So thank you, and I'll see you on the other side.